the truth of our world, Max. It can't be easily summed up with math. There is no simple path. But as a go game progresses, the possibilities become smaller and smaller. The board does take on order. Soon all the moves are predictable. That's so, so? So maybe, even though we're not sophisticated enough to be aware of it, there is a pattern, an order, underlying every go game. Maybe that pattern is like the pattern in the stock market, the Torah, this 216 number. This is insanity, Max. Or maybe it's genius. I have to get that number. Hold on. You have to slow down. You're losing it. You have to take a breath. Listen to yourself. You're connecting a computer bug I had with a computer bug you might have had in some religious hogwash. If you want to find the number 216 in the world, you will be able to find it everywhere. 216 steps from your street corner to your front door. 216 seconds you spend riding on the elevator. When your mind becomes obsessed with anything, you will filter everything else out and find that thing everywhere. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are starting our couple month journey through Darren Aronofsky, which I got to tell you, Mike, I was very surprised that you picked Darren Aronofsky because I didn't take you for a scarf wearing fanboy of uh, of Mother. So what's what well, what what consumed you to pick Darren Aronofsky? You know the real reason because I I don't think I tried tried to hide it from you. And I won't try to hide it from our dear listeners. Uh, I, for some reason, I um, had watched four of his movies like a week. I think I was having a bad week. <laughs> How about that? Bad week, and I'm like... And you thought you'd just like dive into the muck. I know a guy who can put me in a foul mood. Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> and so then I text you and I say, hey, here's our... I don't think... I, maybe I got on our like online uh, document that we share and just said, next month. And when you inquired why... Because like, I'm halfway done. <laughs> Got this homework <laughs> done in advance. And that made me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it helps when I make Let's the syllabus on stuff that I watched the week prior. It does. Instead of... Uh, it also helps that like he knows that I will watch anything. Like, oh, fine. Hmm. Whatever. Let's just record well, on it. That's a challenge. So Stay tuned for the next few months. Let's see if I can really <laughs> uh, grind Dave's gears there. What's a filmmaker that will bother you? I'm going to think on that as you talk. Uh, just mm. give me a visual cue when it's my turn. Wave your hands in the air and then I'll start. Yeah, I, I usually yeah. do. I mean, you can't ask me to give you the visual cue of my hands in the air. I'm Italian. My hands are always in the air. This is I'll kind just of cut how it always then. works. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, what else is new? Uh, but today uh, we're starting off with Darren Aronofsky's first movie, Pi. And I was just telling you just before we started recording that I was going to bring up Donnie Darko. And I'm going to do it God. right now from the beginning. Because my experience with watching this movie, so I don't know if you've had this, but you have like that one friend who like, oh, I just, he just like likes weird shit. Mm. Like he's like, oh, I got to show you this thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the same friend who showed me Donnie Darko was like, you've got to watch Pi. It's the greatest thing ever. And me and my group of friends used to joke that this person didn't have bad taste in movies. He just had like no taste in movies. Like he just loved everything. And, like, kind of the weirder, the better. And I was kind of re-watching this, thinking about that, and thinking about Darren Aronofsky's career moving on from here. Because this, this is a movie that 
it reminds me of stuff like Primer, right? These really super low budget, very strange looking films. And then you look at what he did after that, and it's actually kind of surprising. Like he didn't stay in that mode. He he limited himself for this because he had to because he had no money. But then once he got some money, he actually used it instead of kind of staying in that like super indie realm. Like he's certainly not making big budget franchise cinema. But he's also not like staying in that original box either. So it's really interesting to watch this now that I've seen all these other movies. Cause I think, at least for me, you can feel him kind of limiting himself in this movie. Like, well, I don't have the money to actually do that sequence. So, uh, I guess we're going to show, uh, this giant box of a computer and just zoom in on this crazy man's head for a while. Like, cause that's all the money we have and we're going to make it. Yeah. Work. The, the cuts. Uh, in some of the chase sequences, which this our lead character seems to be chased uh, pretty much the entire runtime, or uh, I guess he's uh, yes. being hassled. How about that? If he's not physically being chased, because he's a, a a mathlete, so it's not going to be uh, this glorious sequence. <laughs> mathlete. <laughs> um, Thanks for bringing up Mean Girls. Well done. Yeah, we probably should be talking about that instead. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like what you're saying as far as it's interesting to go back. Uh, it does feel very student film ish in that regard because because of the limitations. Oh yes, uh, but I think he probably got you know heaps of praise on him for for working within those limitations, and I do think that he made mm-hmm. good with his follow up film. I, I don't think that you know you're saying that he. He kind of stayed the course thematically, but he mm-hmm. he was not beholden to, to being the, the rebellious punk. In fact, when he gets something like the fountain, right. it's like, give me as much money as possible. Please, God, all the money for this. <laughs> Let me waste your <laughs> yes. money. Come on. It's um, in that regard, I, you know, I missed the, uh, the pie wave um, because I, at the time this came out, I was working in an Honest God video store. And I remember mm. some guy coming in at that time. It was like playing a theatrical run. And I think maybe this dude had seen it at a midnight, like movie type thing. I don't think it got any sort of like great release, certainly here in Kentucky, well, nationwide even, but, uh, and all he did was bitch and moan about how stupid this movie was. And of course, <laughs> you know, I, I was coming at it like I probably still do now. Well, not now because there's no no movies as of this recording. But as you know, I've often lamented on these type of podcasts. Uh, I was just like, dude, just be fucking thankful you got to saw it. Like, you know, you you saw the thing, you didn't care for it, but it's it looks interesting, right? right? Like, it got you to buy a ticket to go see it. I would like to have that opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I fucking saw it, I'm like, what is this guy stupid? <laughs> Like, I agree with this asshole. <laughs> like, and so when I was watching it this time, I had that memory of I didn't much care for this, but you know me, Dave. I own a copy of it on iTunes digitally, so I can. I love having access to everything, even stuff that I remember sucking in a previous life. I still want to have it on a whim, like just so I'm sitting there on my lunch break, and I'm like, I want to watch Pie right fucking now. I, I you don't understand how much I love. <laughs> that ability with our, our modern world. This just reminds me of like when I gave away a digital code for a movie you hated. Suspiria. And I got a text like, I what the hell, man? <laughs> what are you I doing? I just watched the high note and I was in the mood for Dakota Johnson, maybe not to watch more of her, but for her to be a little square box, my digital library. And he fucking ruined it. 
And then you had the audacity to try to change the subject and say, well, how's the high note? And I'm like, it sucked too. I didn't really care for it. But you know what? If you had a code for it, I'd take it. I want it in there. 4K, preferably. Uh, this time, I was with the movie... Hmm. Actually, I don't really know. I don't know if there's like a uh, an arc to the plot because this dude's banging um, his literal head against the wall. Uh, he's trying to solve this equation to capitalize on it monetarily. Then, of course, it being Aronofsky, if you're familiar with his work, he's going to introduce God into it, so you bring religion. Always. Um, so, <laughs> you know, these... Uh, rabbi gangsters, I guess, or rabbi like sort of muscle men. I, I don't know if they're doing other criminal things, but they definitely manhandle <laughs> yeah. this guy. Uh, believe that he can give them the number, uh, that will give them like unlock the mystery of God, give them the name, true name of God. Um, all these things happen and they happen on repeat, which helps you get into the headspace of the main character. That it's like the world is sort of unraveling around him and the pressure is building within his head. I have to admit, mm-hmm. Dave, though, it kind of starts to get on my nerves at times. Like, I don't, I don't want to be this guy, and I don't really want to follow him on that journey any longer. But you are so seeing it from his point of view that it's it's like this inescapable uh, pressure that he's mm-hmm. under. And I don't know, 45-minute mark, I'm like, I want no more of this. No more. Yeah, I I think I think the repetition is both a positive and a negative of this movie. Like it does it does a great job of putting you in the headspace of this guy who is freaking out about this and you feel the anxiety, you feel the pressure, you feel the panic. But also that repetition at about 45 or 50 minutes you're like, "I kind of don't care anymore." And I think Aronofsky senses that as a director because that's when all the chase sequences start to happen where he's like, "Oh, well, we got to we got to do something different. Uh we got to distract you." So, uh yeah, let's hide under a car for a while and then, you know, get grabbed by the, you know, the these Jewish guys with beards and, you know, be and tell them we need we need this name like it's very <laughs> it's very like mafia like like it's very, so so there's and it's I the see opposite why he's doing it but it just kind of veers off course. Cuz you brought up right. Brought that up and that one seems to dive even deeper into the talk 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 of what they're doing the process and it like doesn't care if you understand it at all like it has no interest yeah. whether you are following and i mean or not. that's it's just that's go. bold and i you know i wouldn't say i necessarily enjoyed that movie but you can respect it not you know i respect this one as well but right. it does feel like aronofsky has such a cool hook and premise here that he but he has no follow-through on it like i, I don't necessarily want this to turn into an action movie. It strangely reminded me a lot of Good Will Hunting. Uh, <laughs> do you know the backstory of, of mm. that film and that uh, Damon and Affleck, when they were pitching it, when they originally wrote it uh, and were taking it around town, it was mm. a thriller. It was about this super smart guy. The government gets involved and wants to use him for some, you know, mm. something in the military <laughs> industrial complex somehow. And so there is the romance thing and there's abuse of father, but <laughs> Good Will Hunting was really going to become a chase movie where the government was after him. And I don't remember if it was, I think it might've been William Goldman that gave them the advice. Certainly it can have been Kevin Smith. Cause I feel like Kevin Smith would have any, if, if Ben Affleck, more dick jokes, if Ben Affleck was fucking a draft in the early, 
early scripts of those. He would have been like, good for you, Ben. <laughs> like, I want to see it. Like, go for it. <laughs> Preferably a walrus. Do it. Um, I love that you've already brought in Kevin Smith in our newest hey, month of talking about when, a new director. You know, <laughs> we'll never feature him because it's always Kevin Smith month on <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's Kevin by. Smith month every month. <laughs> um, but it kind of reminded me of that where I'm like, did this need to go full thriller route considering they are limited to how exciting uh, the foot chases can be here. Uh, I kind of wanted it to get a little more talky um, because if this guy is making a shift from the monetary gain, like, or maybe it's just ego. Do you get the impression that maybe he just wants to prove that he can do it more so than yeah, the financial I, gain? I don't think, frankly, I don't think he has any interest in, at least in the beginning in the monetary gain. Like there's even a scene where that woman comes up to him and it's going to give him this chip, but he thinks it's money and he's like not interested, even though he's like unemployed, which, which kind of makes me hate this character mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm like, you live in a hovel and you're unemployed. Maybe take some money. That's okay. You Plus can that, do that. that. Wiring looks um, unsafe, sir. But it's, I don't know if I want to sleep next to that big rig you have for your gaming PC. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's just like duct tape and there's a lot going on there. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I think like any, I think once you get to a certain level of intelligence and of research, that kind of stuff, it's all about finding out the answer, finding something new, discovering something. And I think that's what he's really focused on. Um, so the fact that it does become kind of a chase movie for about 20 minutes there near the end is very strange. Um, and it, it felt like. I feel like Aronofsky didn't have more of the talking in him where it's like, okay, this is either going to be a short film. This is going to be like a 25 minute movie, or I'm going to stretch it out and I'm going to have the chase sequences and the, you know, the people kidnapping him and him hiding from, from the people chasing him and all that, all that stuff. Um, so I guess now that I say that it shouldn't surprise me that he didn't stay in this realm, right? That he went bigger and he decided to like use the money he was given because it's clear that he is, of course, interested in religion and interested in truth and all that stuff because that comes up. We'll talk about that as we move on because it comes up, I think, in every single one of his movies, especially the ones that he writes. Like it comes up constantly. But he's also like interested in the bigger budget, in the in the flash, uh, in the kind of stylistic choices. And here, like I read up a little bit on the background, like it actually the – the promotion of this movie costs more than the movie itself. Like the movie was made ultra on the cheap. Everyone wore their own clothes for, for the movie. And you were talking about like, oh, you didn't get a chance to see it. And nobody did because the way the way it was structured in terms of budget was like, okay, we're going to get these grants, but only if it's like a ultra limited mm. release. So it played in like 12 theaters nationwide. Like, and if it were to play in more, they'd have to pay the actors more and they didn't have money to do that. So it was like the ultra minimum budget. Like they could so possibly I mean, it's do. a calling he, card movie then is what it is. Yes. It, it's a little bit of a sizzle reel for sure. Um, and he, like, I guess he borrowed from his family to make this movie. Like he begged all of his family members to help him fund this they didn't thing. Make and much, that's, that's the reason it got they made. They didn't make much back, did they? Wasn't it like everybody made like a hundred bucks? No, or not on this. This was like kind of the, like, here, here's your $19 you made on this movie, <laughs> but now we'll give you a budget for the next one. Like, so hopefully his family members got paid back eventually. Cause I think he's made his money back now. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming point, that, but... you know, his family is just like, he has those people much like us dave that he can talk to about all this bullshit like don't come to thanksgiving dinner yes <laughs> with this kooky mess yeah put it in your on. movie i don't want to hear your 
your Kabbalah you, nonsense. I'm you come not, back I'm not to me, son, when you've got Mini Driver in your fucking movie. At least that's what I would say if I was, you know, Aronofsky's <laughs> father figure. That does sound like you. I mean, that I sounds like that you in general. To coworkers like today. Father, whatever. You don't talk yes. to me unless you know Mini Driver personally. Then we'll talk about that. <laughs> that's right. But I think I think one thing he does actually a really good job in this movie, kind of better than I remembered, is this is like a movie that is very lofty in the things that it's talking about. You know, it's talking about literally the actual name of God and it's talking about mathematic mathematics and things hidden in the codes. But yet I never feel like as I'm watching this, like, oh, this is beyond me. Like I can't listen to this anymore. Like without getting too explainy in the movie, it still feels like you're you're along with the story. You're like, I get this. I get it enough to follow it. Which is not easy when you're like, there's a hidden code in pie. Like, it's like, oh, okay. So, but it never goes like something like Da Vinci Code where it dumbs it down for you either. Like, I feel like it actually has a really good balance between that loftiness and the kind of adventure of discovering something. Is there something with uh, uh, men's ultra-receding hairlines that make them obsessed with puzzles? Like... Tom Hanks has never had worse hair than he did in the Da Vinci series. Like, just terrible. That's true. I was very glad when this character shaved his head. I was, I was like, too. That's a better I look. I was like, that's, 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 should have done that. Suits you. Should have done that from the beginning. Now you look very. You, you got the bozo the clown receding hairline. You yeah. just got to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> enough of that, Krusty, and your, your bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now you just look like a very sleek dweeb, which is what you are and will remain. Yeah. Better. Um, it's an improvement. What did you make? And, you know, I guess this might be the only spoiler for Pi, because I think it's very much like just kind of an experience movie. It's almost unspoilable. Except yeah. for yeah, the very end. It actually reminded me quite a bit of uh, the fi- a film that would come out uh, a year later, uh, The Blair Witch Project, which um, maybe that's just mm. the nostalgia for the artisan entertainment. they just like very simple, mm. black and white. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they used to make money at this movie game for like two years and then bullshit Blair Witch yep. 2 came out and that was went away <laughs> picked up their stakes and left but in that <laughs> both those movies are kind of aimed at young people uh to you know have I don't know have fucking drinks after and try to like mm-hmm. show yes. off in front of their friends on their their take or what they got from you know pie it was certainly Blair Witch Project hit a, a mass appeal, which is still kind of surprising even now that that just became fucking huge that summer. Uh, but both experiences, well, they lied very well in the making of that movie. So I mean, I think that brought a lot of people in. Yeah. But I mean, well, okay. It's 2020. So I shouldn't ask the question, you know, can you believe people are that dumb? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, they are. They will, they will believe anything at this point, but both of those experiences and the Blair Witch I did get to see in theaters made a point of it. Um, they just give you enough. You kind of like skim the surface of the, the kind of the mood of the movie. Like, cause I've seen the Blair Witch multiple times and I couldn't tell you the mythology of the fucking witches. And it's like, they take some kids out to a rock or something and <laughs> kill them. I don't know. They, there's, there were rocks involved and sticks. I, yep. yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Scary it's sticks. Just, you know, it's creepy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, you kind of, just have to go along with it, which the, you know, the music here is really important. And so this, mm-hmm. uh, Clint Mansell, the composer that he would work with and, uh, the, the next episode, the next film we're going to talk about, uh, you know, at times, uh, it does feel like, um, <laughs> the world's, well, not the world's 
least sexy music video, but the <laughs> probably least sexiest lead singer with this guy mm. yelling at an old man about <laughs> how he's gonna he's gonna see the face of God in numbers. And you're <laughs> like, okay, bring in Madonna or somebody. She can rip the rip this off and make this uh, better for a couple of years. But um, I didn't. I, I liked it more now. Uh, strangely, as an old man, um, and I think that's probably due to your your format for this podcast, where there's you have the experience of like it's kind of quaint to go back to early Aronofsky, and you because you he's not dropped any of these threads; <laughs> he's just continued on. Just anyone who will give him a buck, be it a, a cousin <laughs> that just wants to hear about Mini Driver, uh, <laughs> or maybe someone who prefers like what was Jennifer Connelly like, which basically just means like, wow, isn't she really attractive? Uh, is the answer to the question. Um, I feel like he's still going on with his God complex, uh, with mm-hmm. his bullshit. And, uh, that's impressive. And it, is it demeaning to say this one's kind of cute in that context now? Like it's like, Oh, this is kind of where it all began. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I also had this thought as I was watching this movie and I'm an Aronofsky fan. So I say this with great affection, but so I watch say it's cute. You know, I think it's cute. But I watched this it's and I movie. cannot believe that people later in his career complained that like he wasn't being subtle with his metaphors. I'm like, this is, this is who he is. This is where he started. Like, if you watch this and watch Mother, I think you can see the direct lines. Like, I, I don't think, I don't also, think you should be a surprised. terrible day if you put that double feature <laughs> Boy, on. that is a rough, I mean, I like both of those movies. Someone needs to check rough. on you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> to do a and safety I check. I implore you, dear listener. Do not uh, tweet at Dave because he will be of no help uh, to you, and uh, neither will I. I. I don't know who you can tweet at, but anyone, anyone but us. That is, I mean, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, like I was watching this, and I, and I remember the complaints about not only Mother but other movies. It's like, oh God, it's such an obvious metaphor. I'm like, he's not trying to fool you. <laughs> like this is he's not trying to be cute about this he's just he putting, he's putting it out there proclamations yeah i mean if you look at the and, fountain uh, you know like it's just it's all out there on front street like he is very willing to show you what he's talking about like it's very very clear um uh, but it's like a uh, kazan if he was interested in dorks right instead of charismatic handsome leading men right down their luck Instead, it's dorks. Or instead of ratting out your friends, yeah, it would be it would be like that. <laughs> oh, we're, going, we're going there. Okay, that's right. All right, that's Ed Harris, right. <laughs> sit on your hands. <laughs> that's correct. Yes, I mean the only thing as I was watching the beginning of this movie, and this is, I think, more than anything, showing my own age. I was like, "There's a pretty girl next door who just wants to give you samosas. What are you wasting time with pie for? Like, just just hang out with her. She seems nice." Dave, I've I've seen Joker, the uh, greatest film oh, of the century. Oh, Mike. We know, we know that girl does not exist. A pretty girl <laughs> and the dork next door. It's all in his head. It's all in his skinny little head, Joaquin. Get in the fridge where you belong. Get in the fridge. Oh, my God. I also keep having these moments and we'll we probably... going to do a Todd Phillips month? No, oh, way. see, that might break that me. That might, that might be the one. Where that's like, the one? Maybe. I, wow. So this, this episode has an arc then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of that, hangover that's the movies. That's That's, uh, that's a lot. I could, I could do two hours on road trip. We could go scene still, by scene on road trip. That His movie. masterpiece. Still haven't seen it. It never got better. Yes. That was it. <laughs> well, clearly. Yes. Uh, 
And I, but I was also noticing, like, of course, this is a movie that, like, when it first came out, no one in this was known at all. And I guess the person who went on to the biggest career was, uh, was like his mentor, um, who was in like Breaking Bad. Um, he had a recurring role on that. He's in, uh, he's in Aronofsky's next movie too. And it was interesting to like see him in like a kindly role because that's certainly not what he's playing in Breaking it's like, Bad. Son. So. Just stop this nonsense. Yeah. It's not good for you. <laughs> Look what happened to me. Put away. I had a stroke. Just chill out, will you? No, I'll just play games all day. Right. You know, play Go. You know your level of dorkdom, basically. And apparently, more behind the scenes stuff. Apparently, like, these two, like, studied that game for, like, months in preparation for this. Went to, apparently, there are, uh, there are Go clubs where you can go play this stupid game. <laughs> said with such disgust by Dave there. I mean, I was just kind of you know thinking maybe that's a little bit of overkill it's yes. like uh, uh olivier and marathon man right right to stand yes. for uh try it's called acting off. my dear boy yes <laughs> which i just watched marathon man uh recently for uh for marcus played episode uh that we haven't recorded but we should because my co-host hated it with a passion <laughs> which kind of makes me like it more yeah <laughs> uh and i i still believe that hoffman just ran like a block or two and got that winded. Like I, I've, it just doesn't look like a natural gate. I just, I just don't buy it. <laughs> I love it. Just I love how this episode started with Donnie Darko and has wound up like talking shit about Dustin Hoffman for some reason in our episode on well, Pie. That's I'm... we we were off mic saying you know the the pressures that we live under as oh. movie podcasters. Yes. I told my wife before we recorded who works in the healthcare industry like. I'm going to work, going to save some lives tonight. I got to, I got to give the people new takes. And, uh, I just let my mind wander. Yes. You start I'm aware. Marco, we'll end up on Dustin Hoffman. Exactly. I mean, I think I want to end, uh, in kind of talking about kind of how <laughs> <Show>. I <laughs> forever. Uh, so I never have to talk about Joker or Todd Phillips ever again. <laughs> um, but I was thinking watching this because I remember, you know, I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it on video, like kind of right when it first came out on video. And this was not a director where I was like, oh, God, I can't wait to see the next thing they do. I was like, well, no, that really. was fucking weird. All right. I guess I'll move mm -hmm. on with my day and uh, watch something I enjoy. Uh, that was a lot. Um, so it's interesting to me that this kind of became a director I ended up really liking. Um, and I'm trying to, like, put myself back in the headspace of when I first saw this. And maybe you can answer this question. Like, what would you expect from a director who made this? Like, what would you expect him to do next? Because it certainly would not be what actually happened for me. Like, I, as I kind of mentioned, I kind of, I think I would expect him to just keep doing weird shit until he went broke, uh, and then like disappeared forever after maybe like three movies. But like, it's very hard yeah. for me to see the process of how he got to like Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. I mean, this, very easily if you if you don't have any of the context uh and somehow you stumble across this um you know that you may have the the sort of inclination or suspicion that this was sort of like flash in the pan sort of one hit wonder style over substance type mm -hmm. thing um and requiem for a dream which we're going to get into uh next week uh very stylish i think mm -hmm. uh, made a point of having like an excessive amount of cuts, like that was a stylistic decision. Not, you know, not, he didn't stumble into it. He, he said, "It's a choice." We're do. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't to to cover for lack of funds, like in, in pie. Right. Like, um, I I would not 
without getting too far into Requiem for a Dream, I would would have not have expected him to um, have such compassion for his characters because mm. I don't see that in Pi. I see this as they're barely people. They're just battling, not even battling ideas. They're battling over an idea or a concept. Right. And it doesn't really matter. Like, and that's maybe why when I was younger, I didn't really care because, uh, they hooked me, but then ultimately I, I, I don't, I still don't care what happens to lead character. So final warning, which I kind of mentioned earlier, he drills a hole in his fucking head. Right. And he's happier. Yeah. Everything's good. Cause he can't yeah. add numbers anymore. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know about that. It's, I mean, it's one of those. It's interesting because it's an ending where I kind of I see what he's going for, but I'm not sure it ever really works, right? I'm not sure you ever like are like, yeah, now he's happy because he's alone and talking I mean, to God his neighbor child. Like, I mathlete. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting came out a uh, year before. Get in the fucking car, right? travel the country, right? Go get mini driver. Go meet somebody. Go. No, Mini Driver. Well, look, <laughs> specifically, look, Mini Driver might be above this guy's pay grade. Is all I'm saying. Like, you know, Matt Damon, I can see it. This guy, I don't think I've ever mentioned that. Uh, I think the most attractive female character. Not, I'm not trying to objectify too much here. As far as the Mini Driver is very attractive, obviously, but uh, thanks for letting us know. Was, we appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> they're giving her that shout out. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. <laughs> you know, maybe she'll follow. Maybe she'll be like, finally, a stupid podcaster said it. And I'm like, I am that stupid podcaster. Me. Yes. Not Dave. No, not me. <laughs> at me. Actually, even Mini Driver don't at me because I don't <laughs> I don't want the notification. Not even Mini Driver. Because uh, <laughs> what good is it? <laughs> just 140 characters on the screen. Just retweet uh, it. No. We don't want to hear from you. Just retweet the episode. Yeah, just retweet. So. Yeah. Uh, gross point blank. Her character, so the choices she made, uh, her her charm, her charisma, that character I think is the uh, that's the best, that's the tops of yeah. uh, any character in the history of film. Her uh, radio DJ in Gross Point Blake that thinks John Cusack's a little shit. Yeah, we all agree. I mean, certainly hotter than you know this Krusty the Clown knockoff who does math in this movie. Uh, and I think that's how we're going to not end. even the same species. Like you're bringing up like blue cats from avatar. Like it's, we're not even in the, on the same planet here. Agreed. Uh, get rid of this. Agreed. This does, this does, this movie does kind of feel like it's on a different planet a lot of times. So I think that kind of makes sense. Like it's definitely out there. So it's like, I think you actually said it best when you described this movie more as an experience than a movie. Like it does kind of feel like something you went through. As opposed to like mm-hmm. a movie you watched, like so it's it's interesting because it's not a movie I, I can imagine thing. recommending. Point blank. Yes, <laughs> that was an experience. I quite yeah, puberty mm-hmm. is what a it was. Different. <laughs> oh man. So this is a movie like I can't imagine like recommending it to a lot of people, but it's also not one of those movies where I'm like, oh god, don't watch that. It's terrible. It's like this weird in between where there's like one percent of people I... where I'd be like, you might actually not enjoy this, but go through this with me. <laughs> I'm, I think it's a safe bet, safer than Mini Driver uh, ever adding us. Um, you're not really going to have to ever push this on people. It's not going to come up. They're probably, even if you did, uh, tried, they're probably not going to fucking watch it. Um, I don't know what on this list. Maybe The Wrestler. Maybe that's the safest choice this month. I mean, as far Black as- Swan. I mean, it's kind of known. It won awards. Like, 
that would probably be the awards thing. don't matter dave <sighs> yes you can uh listen to more of my podcast one of them is called <laughs> awards don't matter that i do with andrew from the curb uh an australian and a american talking well, about there... academy awards so <laughs> what was there like audible bile <laughs> coming up in your throat i just don't like when australians i, try to promote I don't know what work. to tell you that's <laughs> Oh, well, I tried, Andrew. I'm sorry. <laughs> you gave it your best shot, and it is appreciated. Um, so do you want to pip out any of your podcasts since uh, we talked about my other podcasts? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Which one do you think they would like, Dave, if any of them? <laughs> See, I, beat, I beat you to the insult. <laughs> <laughs> None of them. They all suck. They're all terrible except this one. Uh, no, I think I think Trilogy in Theory uh, is a really fun idea, and you and Webb are really good hosts together. So Trilogy and Theory is Do you think I'm too positive on that one? I'm far more positive on that one than I am here. Like, I'm almost I mean, I think that's why I like it. You get the balance. If you listen to this show and you listen to Trilogy and Theory, like, oh, Mike's actually a real human being with with more than just negativity. So that's nice to see, I think. I'm going to have to work on that because I don't (laughs) know if I like that particular review there. I like being the... The bile <laughs> building up in your like, <laughs> I'm convinced you're mean on this show because I am mean on this show. Like just like for no Sometimes, reason, yeah. just like blindsiding, attacking people like Dan Stevens for no reason. Like, yeah, that was totally uncalled for. And to think of Dan Stevens is getting attacked, Jesus. What do you think of like regular people? But garbage. Uh, yeah, horrible. trilogy in theory. There's a there's a transition. We don't have any Dan Stevens. I don't think we have any Aronofsky, but. Uh, not yet, do, uh, but you did theme. have Donnie Darko, do theme. which we talked about in this. We episode, did. That's actually, so. yeah, that's how we were talking about that. So we did a rabbit month. So uh, uh, a month where rabbits were prominent in the films. We select three movies, and then the the last week of the month, we we talk about our, as the title says, our trilogy in theory, and we usually discover that we're pretty terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we did get to watch three movies uh, that were kind of random, and uh, yeah, Web. Uh, Webb is a really nice guy, and it's unfortunate that he rubs off on me on that show. Yeah. So if you like me here, you'll fucking hate me over there. <laughs> so if you despise this show, go check out Trilogy in Theory. <laughs> yes. That'll yes, be leave. great. <laughs> so um, next week we're going to kind of move on to a movie that I would th- it's safe to say I think a lot more people have seen than Pi. Uh, but I do feel like it's also one of those movies that it always gets mentioned on that, like, I watched it and I really liked it and I never want to watch it again. It's so disturbing. So uh, make kids watch it in school. <laughs> I've heard that often. Yes, scared straight. Absolutely. So, um, but I watched it uh, again. That's probably I don't know, probably the fifth or sixth time I've watched it. Uh, so I don't know what that Jesus says about Christ. me. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so watch Requiem for a Dream and then join us next week. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it is at Directed by Pod. And if you'd like to donate some money to our Patreon and get bonus episodes, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash a podcast directed by.